Welcome to the Financing Enterprise podcast series. On our show, we talk about everything startup. It could be anything from challenges the business is facing to an entrepreneurial journey to talking about growth in a business. Anything startup, we talk about it. Anything business, we talk about it. Informal chit chat will hopefully train you along the way and make you a positive, successful business person. Later. Today we have our special guest, um, Harvey Gilbert, on the show. Welcome to the show, Harvey. Thank you very much. Very nice to be on the show. Thanks for, thanks for coming on again. Um, what will our listeners want to know about you, Harvey? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, so I'm an organizational culture specialist, um, which when I say it to people, I always have to let it linger with them for a couple of seconds to try and figure out what that actually means. Um, yeah. And I, I always, so I think a really important distinction and something that I always have to have to caveat when I say I'm a company culture specialist um, is I'm really not talking about the fluffy stuff. I'm, I'm really talking about founding principles that guide every decision that a business makes throughout its, uh, its, its existence. Um, so I, I work with executive teams of organizations and, and guide them through a process in order for them to create their own company culture in a nutshell. Okay. And, and where are you based then, Harvey? I'm based in Manchester, but I'm originally from London, and I spend most of my time sitting on motorways and trains throughout the UK. So uh, I'm based, I'm a bit of a nomad, really, based everywhere. Okay, yeah, cool, cool. So obviously nowadays you can use Zoom as well, all those different apps to sort of keep, you know, keep in touch with people and what have you. Absolutely, yes, they come in very, very handy. So you kind of said basically that company culture is more than just ping pong tables and fluffy bean bags in an office. Yeah. Although that does sound exciting though, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it does. And, I, and uh, there's another caveat I'd like to put in here as well. There's nothing wrong with beanbag tables and ping pong. Beanbag tables and ping pong chairs is what I said then. Beanbag chairs and ping pong yep. tables. But it can't just be those things. There's nothing wrong. I mean, a lot of the companies I work with, they do have those things in. And sometimes they've heard me give a talk or something and, you know, having a go at the ping pong tables. But it really isn't about those. There are lots of examples of those things. You know, there are beer trolleys that go around on a three, you know, three <laughs> block on a, on, on a Friday afternoon. There's AstroTurf. There's lots of kind of, I suppose they've become cliches now. But there's nothing wrong with any of those things whatsoever. But it can't just be those things. Okay. Okay. So obviously, um, uh, we work with startups and, um, what can sort of startups do to create a company culture from the start? So obviously they're starting out with their business. Um, what can they do from the start to sort of create a company culture as they grow along in their business? Well, I think that's a really interesting subject. And I think the, 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 the conversation on startups and creating their, their culture is, is a really nuanced one. It is, um, there's something that often happens with, with startups, and it's really a pivotal point that I think goes missing a lot of the time, that people don't actually identify when it's happening. Organizations don't identify that they're about to reach a tipping point. And there's, there's this period of being a startup business where you've probably got a, whether you've got a, a number of people around you that you've brought in on the business, maybe some partners, maybe some, you know, your first employees, where it's kind of a small, close-knit group. Um, and, that's a, and, and that's a really key stage. And in, in you kind of, 
you know, without writing it down, you kind of create what the culture of the business is by the styles of working and, and general things like, you know, why have you started the business and what's, you know, what's your purpose and what do you want it to be and what do you want it to grow into? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you hire these, these people around you at that early stage, you know, a lot of these startups, they, they have, you know, like-minded people, maybe have skill sets in, in different things. Maybe you've got someone that's great about tech and someone is great in sales. And, but you kind of have this, this central bit of the Venn diagram that's, that, that's covered that everyone's, that everyone's in. Um, but there's, there's this, there's this point where an organization transitions from being a startup, like a proper startup, you know, where you're, you know, all working out of a, your back bedroom or someone's garage or whatever, and yeah. you and you and then you sort of transfer into being a, an organisation, and it is such an important time, and that is the point in when all the stuff that organise this small group of, of a you know this small startup group have been doing, it's at that point that you need to codify it. And you need to build it, you need to write it, and you need to find a way to actually put it in the DNA of the business so that when the organization stretches and you start to you know, hire people that you don't know very well and you know, someone that works for you starts to, you know, hires someone that works for them and you've never met them or whatever it might be, that this is kind of an organism that, that, that keeps, on, keeps on building and is in the DNA of the business. So I, I, I think... You know, it's uh, in an ideal world, you kind of go, well, you know, what you'd like to do is you'd like to, before you start the business, you know, in the business planning stages, you'd like to sit down and map out, you know, this is what our culture is going to be. And these are these things that we're going to have in place. But I really do think that's sort of looking at things in an idealistic way. I think right, yeah. really what, what happens is you have, you know, a group of people or, or, a, or an individual that starts a business and it te- you're in that period there of, of sort of climbing the, the first tier of the mountain of figuring out what you're going to be and how you're going to do things and, you know, how you, you know, your products and your services and how, how the people around you, how you all work together. Um, but it is, it is in that next point that is so, so important that really is, is the difference between, you know, businesses that become great businesses or businesses that, either fail or become lifestyle, you know, create a ceiling for themselves businesses. Right. So when, when a startup gets to that stage, when they're going through that transition period and they're obviously they're growing, they're bringing in staff that they don't know, you know, people are coming in and and so on and so forth. um, How can they go about that process when they're just ready to do that? The first thing that's the, that is the essential starting point for everything, not, not just for this process, but for what the organization does for the rest of its existence is you have to define what it is that you want to be. Okay. Uh, and that, that, that includes everything that you, you know, if most businesses have on their website, on their about us page, their, you know, values and purpose. They usually, I say usually 99.9% of the time, they don't mean all that much. And they're just words on a piece of paper or on a screen. Um, sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll get it sent out to you in a, on a PDF when you work at an organization and then you delete the email very quickly because, you know, it doesn't mean anything. Um, right. But, I mean, these are timeless principles. These are all of the great organizations. They have these things in place. But the difference is they actually mean something to them. Okay. So, 
I, th- I think I think something that's important, and if and if I were to sort of think of think of sitting and having this conversation with a with a you know a founder of a startup, these these principles that you define yourself by, you have to really want these things. They have to be important to you. Don't just say things because because you think, you know, you know, this is that this is what my competitors in this industry say, or this is the the company that I used to work at. These are the kind of things that they said, or this is the sort of thing that I think I should be saying. Because more often than not, you know, when you're not emotionally connected to something, you're not going to deliver on it. So it really is taking that time to assess. Well, what is it that I want to, you know, what kind of a business do I want to leave and you know, what, what kind of a place do I want this to be to work and how do we want to interact with our clients? And it really is that definition stage that leads, you know, everything else leads from. And I think you made a good point that obviously, like say with the mission and the vision statements or what have you, um, you could easily make those up, couldn't you? Just come up with something. I mean, there's even templates, on, there's templates online to do that as well <laughs> to help you with words <laughs> yes. and creating those. So it's, it's relatively easy to do. But you make a good point that obviously, you know, it's more than just meaning it. It's actually being it. Um, and, 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 that's the, and that's the next step. That's what's, that is the thing that is, that is missing 99% of the time. Again, you know, at, at, at that point, even if you have done the, done the thing of defining what you want to be as an organization, and let's say the, the founder founders are, you know, emotionally connected to that that's all well and good, but it still doesn't really mean anything at that stage. The next bit is then actually making it become a living, breathing thing that lasts forever. That's the, you know, <laughs> summing up in a sentence sounds easy and it, yeah. it, it's simple, but it isn't easy. It obviously takes time and it's, you know, it's a, you, you'll never be perfect at this. And it, it, it is an ongoing, uh, ongoing battle. I said that I nearly said, I don't know if that's the right word, but it, it might be actually, um, yeah. but it, you know, you always get better at this. Um, so, so, so it, it is, you know, it's the defining it of what we want to be, but then actually making it happen. It's as simple as that, but it's not easy. So with the living and breathing stuff, it could be things like when you get in touch with customers, I'm guessing, um, you know, how you send out emails, like the, yeah. the message and that sort of a thing, what other sort of things would be the living and breathing Stuff that, I mean, um, it really does encompass absolutely everything you could think of in a business. Um, it can be anything from, you know, how your departments are structured. And I know that sounds, sometimes I have this conversation about um, culture versus business model, because even the work I do with clients, it can sometimes, you know, seem like we're then going and talking about their business model. And that's because we are, because how great businesses work and how they have done since the beginning of time is culture comes first and it, that is what creates the business model. Okay. I understand, of course, when you, you know, when you start a business, you have an idea for a particular product or service that you want to sell. And, and again, you have that period of, you know, sort of sit, you know, getting things going, but you have to become more than what it is that you currently sell, whether that's a product or a service. You have to stand for something more than that. Um, and, and then that bleeds into everything, you know, how your department is structured. I mean, there are examples of, of uh, uh, you know, a, a prime example is, is back, in, back in the early 2000s when, um, when Apple created iTunes. Right. Sony, on the other hand, 
were so they were the market leader in music pretty much they had you know they had they were one of the most profitable businesses in the industry they had all the infrastructure all the technology all the people all the intelligence why didn't they create itunes they should have created itunes it actually came down to a fact because they were basically protecting their their uh, physical record sales because they were the market leaders in that. But you can even break it down to things of the way that their departments were structured. They, they all worked in different ways. There was no cohesion or there was no thread between all of them. The communication was poor. So they couldn't deliver these. They, they just weren't dynamic enough as an organization. They couldn't move and they couldn't flex. Whereas Apple, the epitome of the opposite Steve Jobs was was absolutely fastidious and fanatical about every part of the business needs to line up. I mean, you know, one of the guiding principles there, he always used to say, um, if you're passionate about software, you make your own hardware. And just everything in the business was lined up. So it it really does span to things as big as that, you know, know, what what departments you have. It can span to things like... um, if your you know if your ceo retires and or resigns how do the board select the next ceo that's a really important thing that a lot of organizations missed it can be then you know really small things of how do you explain to a new starter um, why you put notes on the system after you've spoken to a customer it right. it really does. It spans every, every element of a business, and it, it is it is all because the culture should become a way of thinking. That really is what it comes down to. If I think of the you know when I start working with a client and the position that I want to get them to, it is just think about this stuff in the right way because then you make the right decisions. And and with Apple, they also had sort of a broader. I guess it would be vision or mission or what have you, where they, I think they tried to sort of think differently, so to speak. Think different was that was that was their slogan, if you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's and that's important as well. Um, I think with when you are defining the purpose of the organisation, something that's really really important to not do uh, is to not the purpose not just to be aligned with basically making money, because. Right. It, it, firstly, you won't make as much money as you could anyway. No, again, no business ever has. And there, there's a real problem with that of when your purpose is around making money, mm-hmm. you make decisions around making sure you're making money. Now, there are so many examples of, I mean, even that Sony example. So of back in the early 2000s, you know, they didn't want to switch to, to you know, pushing their, to pushing digital sales because they wanted to protect their physical sales because that's where they were making their money. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that Sony were, you know, their purpose was to make money, but what, what actually happened as a result, because they didn't build a culture in the right way, they were making decisions based on protecting their income. Now, you know, business is obviously all, you know, at the end of the day, you need to make a profit in business, but sometimes you have to make decisions bigger than any one particular, you know, life cycle of a, of a product or service. And again, the greatest organizations do that. Prime example of uh, Jeff Bezos when, right. so he, they were, you know, market leaders in online um, physical book sales, as they, I'm sure they probably are still now. Yes. Um, <laughs> Why did they invent the Kindle? 
it's you know on the surface in terms of if you look at making money it sounds a bit counterintuitive you think well you sell all this stuff you know via books why you know why are you gonna do a digital thing mm. but that's the way that they think that you know particularly bezos that you know his, his the purpose of amazon is the everything store and they identify as a technology company being the everything store you're not attached to one particular product or one particular category of product or one particular service because they're the everything store. They think much bigger than that. So, so much so that the chap whose name I can't remember who it was that, that started the, um, the Kindle division, Bezos actually said to him, I want you to put our book department out of business. That's the way these great organizations think of, of their purpose is, is something bigger than, you know, again, selling this particular product and, you know, selling this particular product or selling this particular purpose or sorry, or selling this particular product, they have a purpose that's that's bigger and and all encompassing. And and that is really a pivotal difference. Again, at that point where a startup transitions to be a, you know, a proper organization, you have to really understand that stuff and make sure you're not creating, creating a ceiling for yourself. Yeah, and I think, I mean, with, with startups or what have you, obviously, they, oftentimes they will start out with one or two products or they, w- they will be a product-based business. But obviously, as they move along, as you said, they've got to start thinking about the bigger picture and sort of yeah. encompassing more to kind of kind of stay current in, in different situations as well, really. Um, you know, because you think have this so. part- <laughs> sorry, sorry, to, sorry to interject, Kylie. I think some, yeah. something I just thought of there of, yeah. you know, this is never a clean process. I mean, yeah, I even think right. about for my business, when I started this, whatever it was, three, three and a half years ago, yeah. I, yeah. the things that are important to me in my organization, so what I would define as my purpose and my core values, I didn't have them when I started. Yeah. You know, it, it takes a bit of time of sort of, you know, feeling your way into things and, and getting familiar. And it's very different. You know, you can sort of build these castles in your mind. But once you actually get there, you think, well, that's not actually what it needs to be. Right. And, yeah. it, you know, th- these things take time. So it, it is idealistic to sit there and think, well, you know, organizations got to sit down and in their business plan, you know, have these big, you know, purposes and, and values and whatever. But, but you've got to, um, businesses have just got to figure out, this is a turning point. This right. is the point where, you know, we're stretching up vertically and we need to, I keep using this word codify because I'm, I'm actually going back <laughs> to the, uh, the Netflix book. Okay. Um, and that's and, and Mark, uh, Mark Randolph, the, 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 first, the founder and CEO, that's the word he used. And Netflix, I mean, an amazing culture there. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's the phrase he used, which I really like. You know, they, they, they transitioned from being that, you know, start that group of people that, that all sort of think in the same way to being that organization where they don't even know everybody in the office anymore. And that word he used that we had to codify what it was that we kind of organically had. And we then needed to find ways to make sure that it stays in the business when we grow. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and you made a good point. Obviously, it's the turning point, And that word codify um, kind of sums that up as well. Yeah. And um uh, thinking off the top of my head, I, I believe there's sort of a recruitment firm example that you were happy to chat about how, say, a recruitment company started with about six to eight people yeah. or what have you. And, and um, you know, how it's did a, that it, company it, grow or did it yeah. not? <laughs> it's, well, it's, that's interesting. And it's a really prime example. And, and I've, you know, when I look back at my, when I say career, I mean, you know, working, working in businesses, I, I feel very fortunate of the experience that I've had. I've worked at a 
really bad organization and in terms of toxic culture a really really good organization and i've worked for a couple in the middle and so this recruitment firm example that i wanted i wanted to give you an example of was so uh two partners uh, not the typical recruitment types, I must say, which, uh, okay. so I've, I've worked in recruitment, so I'm allowed to say that. Um, okay. Okay. So, okay. That's a joke, everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, yes, if there are any recruitment firms listening, I'm just joking. I've worked in that. There are some good people. However, there are lots of not good people anyway. But anyway, so, um, so not, you know, not the, what, what you'd think of as the stereotypical recruitment types, because there is a stereotypical recruitment type. Uh, you know, really, really um, experienced in their field. You know, one had worked, one had worked at you know, uh, you know, blue chip organisations, and someone had been a consultant for years, and and so experts in their field, really, really good at what they do. A fantastic reputa- reputation in the industry, which was financial services, um, and j- just really decent people as well. Really decent people. You know, I, I like them in- instantly, which is the reason I wanted to work there because I like them both. Okay. So they were doing well. Um, sort of, you know, growing to about six to eight people. Again, really good reputation. You know, doing doing good work. And and there was a turning point. And the turning point was they acquired a new client, which basically means that that their their volume quadrupled, if not more. So they fundamentally at that point changed into being a kind of like ploddy in terms of pace but you know you know high end and, and high margins and all that kind of stuff to being a having a volume arm of their business and looking back now it was such a key point that was missed and the reason why it was important was all the why it was six to eight people in the business everything was fine there was a good culture there everyone got on really well everyone was doing good work because the two owners were I mean, literally all in the same room as each other, you know, literally in touching distance of of each other. And you can kind of get by at that phase if you've got, if you've hired decent people around you and, you know, you're good at what you you can get by at that kind of phase. However, when it transitioned to being a 2025 employee business, which again is still, you know, modest size, but, but you know, over a hundred percent, you know, growth, something was missing and the thing that was missing is these things that they did as individuals that made them great in the industry they didn't figure out a way how to actually construct it and codify it and put it into the business and what started to happen is they started to you know they started to hire poorly they would hire people based on you know their their sales numbers in 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 other organizations and i mean that's the, the, that's a good litmus test to, to know you, you're on you're on the wrong road there. You know, if you're hiring people just because of their numbers of, of somewhere else, you, you don't really have a, a, you know a framework and, and a, an ethos and, and things that you want to, people to live up to. And you just saw, and I can't you know I can't identify the particular decision that it was that that made things go wrong. I can't you know identify one particular person that oh my god he came in and it or she came in and it all went wrong. I can't do that. But it was yeah. like it was like death of a thousand paper cuts. That's what it was like. Yeah. Lots of little things that added up to. Do you know what? A couple of years later, it was a toxic culture, 
um, I say toxic. It was a negative culture okay. and they had lots of problems and they weren't as successful anymore. And it's just because they missed that turning point from being, again, that kind of, you know, group startup to being an organization. They missed that point and it's, yeah. it, 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 you know, it happens every day. Organizations are doing this every day. And I just, that's, that's kind of what I think of. If I think of my purpose, I, I want to, you know, get get organisations to realise this point before they just jump off. You know, you know, fall off the edge of the cliff. You, you've got to build that build that bridge into the into the next phase. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's it's challenging to sort of trickle down, da- trickle it all, trickle it down. You know, obviously it starts at the top and then it trickles down and filters Absolutely. the employees. And and I think you made a good point that people kind of have to feel feel that. So in that example, it was sort of missing, but no one could you know figure out what it was. <laughs> But um, yeah, so that can be sort of one of those things that can be tricky at times. So with a startup, um, say if they're starting out or maybe they're getting to that transition period, um, do you have any sort of like top tips just to sort of get them in this sort of mindset? Okay, we're at this tipping point, this transition period. What should we think about doing? I think, um, I I mean, that's that's a good question. I think what's the, the the first thing is that is that defined section that that is that is the most important thing and again i think at that say at that stage uh, and, and a distinction to make is is what we what we discussed earlier of it has to really mean something when you're defining what you want to be as an organization and i you know i, I often ask questions at this at this stage like you know to the to the ceo to the founder when you're 100 years old and on your deathbed, what kind of a business do you want to have created? You know, it's kind of thinking about things in that way, you know, legacy, questions around legacy, you know, what kind of a legacy do you want to have had? Um, you know, what kind of lives do you want to enable your employees to have? You know, really thinking about these things of in the future. And I think that's, uh, and that's, a, that's an important and a, and a useful way to look at things of, looking into the future when when you grow to the level that you want to grow or you know that you have ambitions to grow to what kind of a business do you want to be at that at that stage you know what's important to you so i i just think that that definition but again it being it being something that that the leaders of the business are emotionally connected to that is the, the first point of that okay yeah so they definitely have to be emotionally connected without question without question again it's all you know it's a lot of organizations get to the stage where they realize oh do you know what we need to create some values or purpose and then they sometimes they get their you know the hr director to do it which is and obviously hr is a big part of culture but it it's just a part of it you know when when the ceo or the you know founders of the business are getting the hr director to do it it's sort of like what's no it doesn't it doesn't work like that yeah yeah um so, so that's you know, so that happens all the time. But being emotionally connected is really important. And then, I think, secondly, and you know, this this is really you know very very basic, uncomplicated advice and 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 a tip. But it, this is a timeless principle, and it and it gets missed or every again every day in business this goes missing. Okay, it is as simple as you define what you want to be. And then you actually figure out ways how to be that now and forever. Okay. And it's as simple as you, you put things in place to make sure that it happens. So, you, you know, you don't just go up and, and write these things down and send it out or talk to people about it. You actually make sure your the word I always use is congruent or aligned with the words that you're saying. 
that is that is the key to all of this. There are either you know there are, there are also organisations and consultants that go out and they'll you know go and work on you with culture and they'll do the first day, which is the defined section, and then they kind of just leave you with it. It's like well, but you have to make those words things, otherwise they are just words on a piece of paper. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, there are so many examples of. I, I was an example I always like um, is, is from Airbnb of, of something that they put in place to make the thing that they're saying actually happen. Um, and that was, so this was, um, this happened, I think it's about five or six years ago. Um, and so one of, one of Airbnb's core values is uh, openness and honesty. And they mean this in terms of the way that they interact with customers and the, you know, the way that they are internally with their employees and it spans across the whole business. Okay. And they okay. did a um, employee engagement survey or a, you know, employee experience survey. And basically the results came back saying that, oh, oh, we're not as open and honest as we thought we were. Okay. So <laughs> founders of the business and the exec team sat down and thought, okay, well, how do we actually become more open and honest? Really simple question. But that's the question you need to be asking yourself. So they asked themselves that question and they came up with an idea. So they thought, okay, well, what we need to do is we need to have opportunities for, you know, team managers and employees to have their voice in the business and really know what's going on and and there be an open forum. So what they decided to do was create a quarterly meeting that uh, all the exec team run, all team managers are at. Uh, and there's a period of, of team managers, you know, speak to their employees and sort of get some stuff that they that they want to speak about. Uh, and the meeting that happens quarterly is called Elephants, Dead Fish and Vomit. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> so elephants, I know, you can't forget that, can you? Yep. So elephants stand for the elephants in the room. You know, the big things going on that we just need to, you know, we, we need to talk about. Right. The dead right. fish are the things we thought that we had dealt with. But do you know what? I don't think we dealt with them properly. And we can still, that sort of stench is still in this room. So we need to talk about that properly. Um, and, then, and then the vomit are the things we just need to get off our chest. Okay. Now, I like to use that example because it's obviously a, well, a great, you know, great branding for, for, for a meeting. And that's, uh, and, you know, that's an important subject as well, of, of being creative with these things and putting interesting things in place. But the most important part is that meeting actually makes the things that they're saying i.e being open but being open and honest it actually makes it happen because they know what that meeting is about they prepare for it they have those conversations there are no excuses you know they've got to talk about the elephants in the room they've got to you know discuss these things that they haven't haven't been dealt with properly and they've got to just get these things off the chest because that's what that's what the business has constructed and what they put in place um there are I, I could literally, you know, do this for, for a week, just, just giving examples right. of lots of different organizations. But, you know, th- th- there are so many opportunities to do that in everything that you do. It can be the way that you name a department, you know, like, for example, you know, lots of lots of organizations have transitioned from being, um, uh, you know, from being an HR department to being a people department. Right. You know, there are little things like that can that in isolation can seem trivial, but with things like that, it can be the, the cumulative effect can add up to something really powerful. So it is, this is a long winded top, you know, two top tips, but, but, yeah. uh, but, but they are, they are the two things define what you want to be and actually really want to be those things. And secondly, figure out how you can do that and what you can, what you can put in place to make it actually happen. That is, that is, I mean, that is the gist of it. 
yeah and and that makes sense actually so obviously with with you know with that or what have you um you know you could be the companies can be creative with the process as you said something you know with them airbnb where they were open and honest um had funny names for the meetings and you know obviously with people departments and things these days but also as you said having a checks and balances system in place to make sure that they are actually doing (laughs) you know what they're meant to be doing or or at least saying that they're doing um and putting those those things in place um that's a really important section as well and i think um i I think that subject this has become something sort of almost fashionable at the moment these employee engagement surveys um and again i've seen far too often when when they are they're just not used in the right way really you know it's uh, it's it's a really powerful process where you can get an anonymous survey which is is all it is an anonymous survey of what's going on in your business so that's i mean that is great information to be able to get but the important question there is well what do you actually do with the information there are lots of companies that do these things and then they don't do anything with the information and the reason they don't do anything with the information is because they don't really know what they're measuring it against because they haven't done the define section they don't know what they want to be as an organization so I mean, that's, you know, that, that tool, and I, I you know, with, with clients, I, I work with an organization, really cool organization called, called Flock, um, okay. who they, they do the um, sort of they're the data analyst, I suppose, but specialize in culture. Um, okay. And as part of that, create what we do at the end is one, once they've done the defined bit, we then create a bespoke survey based on their values, their purpose, um, to basically see what well, are we living this as an organization? So this is where, when you go back to the Airbnb example, they were asking the questions of, you know, are we open and honest? And they probably asked it in a few different ways. But when they get the results back, then they do something about it. You know, there are lots of these companies that just do it as a kind of a, oh, you know, we should be doing these things and you know, employee <laughs> engagement is important, but then they don't do anything with it. So it's pointless. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, like, as you said, they probably haven't actually defined what they're meant to be doing as well. So it kind of goes hand in hand. Oh, those are those are really amazing top tips, Harvey, and obviously really good examples for people just to sort of start thinking about something. So instead of just talking about being something, not only, you know, actually meaning it and, um, you know, feeling emotionally, emotionally connected to it, but also you know, practicing what you preach, so to speak, and, and checking in with people to make sure that you're actually doing what you set out to do. If I can give a quick analogy, if you don't mind, this yeah, is a, sure. this is an analogy I, I use with clients. Um, so uh, years ago, I was having a conversation with with a friend of mine who decided he wanted to set up his own hair salon. So he's a hairdresser, yeah. and he'd worked okay. at like the top end. I think it was like Tony and Guy or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and decided he wanted to set up his own. So we we're having a conversation, um, and we were talking about. Um, you know what he wants this hair salon to be and, and what you know what's his purpose and what his core values are um, and he identified that you know he wanted it to be just like an amazing customer experience and again you can say you know written down amazing customer experience how many organizations say that but I was having this conversation with it you can just see he was really really passionate about it mm-hmm. and he wanted just to find as many opportunities as he could to put things in place to actually make sure that, you know, it's an amazing customer experience. So we, I was just having a chat with him. I said, well, okay, well, let's break it down. I said, you know, let's, let's break down the elements of customer service. He said, okay. So the first thing I identified is like the welcome. Like he wants it to be like an amazing, you know, when someone work, walks in the door, wants to be an amazing welcome. I said, okay, well, okay. I said, well, let's break the welcome down. You know, what are the components of the welcome? You know, what's most important to you about the welcome? So he said, um, 
well, what I want it to be is timely. You know, I, I don't want people to come in and not know where they're going or have to stand at reception or, you know, ring it. You, you, you know, I, I just I want someone to be greeted straight away. So I came up with a couple of ideas. One was having a, you know, having a receptionist there all the time, but they couldn't afford that at, at the moment. So he came up with this other idea of, and this isn't a novel idea, but he decided that what he wanted to do was put a bell above the door. Now, okay. what happens is, is when someone opens the door and the bell rings, everybody turns their head. So this, <laughs> yeah, <they do. laughs> this timely welcome that he's been wanting, and they talk about, you know, if you chunk back up to talking about having amazing customer experience, of which for him this is a part of it, that bell actually makes that thing happen. Right. Now, this is an analogy I use of, the, I suppose, the second part of the second tip, which is that, you know, the first part being to find what you want to be as a business the second part being find ways to actually make those things happen. Find your bells in your business. Oh, now, that's a good one. I, I'm not necessarily talking about physical things, of course, although sometimes that's appropriate. It can be anything. You know, it can be, a, you know, a bit of a policy or it can be the way that your managers explain things to people. It can be having these meetings in place. There, there, there are, there are, you know, a myriad of, of, of opportunities to do these things, but have these bells in place that, again, make the thing that you're saying and the kind of business that you want to be actually happen. So that's, that's something that I, that, that I always refer to back with clients of, of you know, put your, put your bell in place. Oh, that's a good analogy. I like that. Oh, thanks for sharing that. Have to get some bells on, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, rock those bells. Okay. Um, yeah. So I just want to thank you for coming on the show today, Harvey. Um, what are some ways that our listeners can get in touch with you? Oh, so I'm not very good on social media, which I should get better at. Um, but I'm on LinkedIn. So I'm on Harvey V Gilbert on, on LinkedIn. So you can get me there. Okay. Um, my website is, is flowculture.co.uk. Um, so you can find me there and all my details are on there. But, but, but I suppose LinkedIn probably the best way. So Harvey V Gilbert on LinkedIn. And uh, send me a message and um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll respond. Great. So just again, want to thank you for coming on and, and thanks for listening in today. And if you do have any questions for Harvey, just feel free to get in touch with him via LinkedIn or flow. Dot, was it flow. Dot, um, Flowculture.co.uk and um, he'll be happy to um, get in touch with you. Thanks so much, thank you, Harvey. Thanks for me on. Thank, thank you. you. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> And that's a wrap, folks. Business Chit Chat is where it's at. Bye!